Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And I'm Leticia Niago, Vice President of Learning. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Hubka, the 2021 Vice President of Finance. We also have Helena Hodges, Director of Technology and Operations, as our producer. For this episode, we're interviewing Senior Vice President of People at Order Groove, founder and principal coach of KDW Coaching, speaker, author of Setting the Stage, a guide for preparing for any feedback conversation, and host of the podcast, Getting Off the Hamster Wheel, Karen Weeks. Welcome, Karen. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Of course, man, with that expertise, we've (laughs) got to tap into it. (laughs) So before we do, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Karen. I have been in HR for over 20 years. I actually started off in theater and I was a stage manager and I worked out in LA for a few years, realized very quickly that that was not what I wanted to do for my actual career. And so I made (laughs) the switch to HR and it was been wonderful ever since. I've always focused on talent development, training, coaching, all of those pieces that live within HR. And so over the last few years, I spun that off into a side coaching business as well. So I could figure out how to help as many people as possible, not just the people that I work with on a day-to-day basis at a company like Order Groove. Um, and with that, because I love what I do and, and maybe a little glutton for punishment, I wrote the book, I started the podcast because really I just want to help as many people as possible. Oh, I love it. I love that mission. <laughs> so, and, and feedback, uh, our topic for today, it can be very difficult for folks, right? It's a yes. skill that not necessarily everyone goes and educates themselves on. And even if they do, it's, it can be uncomfortable. But before we dive into all of your advice for today, what is effective feedback? Yeah. And I think that's a great point. And that's actually why I turned all my teachings and learnings into a workbook, because even I, who have been doing this for years, train people on it, it's still hard to give feedback sometimes and yeah. it takes work and you have to prep for it. So I think sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I, I don't need something like that. No, we all do. So, so to me, effective feedback has a couple of key proponent, uh, key, uh, components. One is it is data driven. So you've done the work to get some data points, whether that's your own observations, whether that is getting uh, information from others. So it's really based on some real life examples that happened recently that are uh, more objective. I think the other piece is that you are doing it in a way that is action oriented and supportive. If I tell you, by the way, good feedback or constructive feedback, right? Like if I tell you, you did a great job on that, kudos and walk away. Or if I say, hey, that presentation didn't go so well, did it? We should do better next time and walk away. <laughs> Neither of those are helpful. Like, so what? really making it you know, specific and action oriented about what I can do differently or what I did right and what I can do more of, that's the thing that's going to help me move through this and you know, develop as a person. Yeah, I love that. Specific, supportive, action-oriented. Now, before we go even further, I mean, why is feedback important? 
I think that as humans, we want to know if we're doing a good job. And if we're not, even if it's hard to hear, at the end of the day, we'd rather know that something's not going right and have the opportunity to fix it. Otherwise, I'll have, I have no idea that I need to change what I'm doing or I'm not hitting the expectations that you have. Or again, on the flip side, like I, I don't mean to always go to the constructive feedback first, but if I'm doing something great, I should know that because I'll do more of it. It will motivate me. Uh, maybe I can train others. So the lack of information is not helpful to anybody as me as an individual, if I'm your team member or for you as a manager or for the business, because it's not setting the expectation and then sharing how I'm doing against that expectation to get to the goals we're all trying to get to. Yeah. Well, and I like that actually for whole life, right? Personal and professional. We should know what's expected of us. We should know how we're doing in relation to that. And if we're not meeting those expectations, how can we? Yeah, absolutely. And it should come from a place of trust and respect and support. You know, I'm not trying to catch you doing something wrong. I'm not just going to compliment you on something just to make you feel good that day. Like it's because I care about you and I want you to do well. And so let me share some feedback on how it's going. Yeah, I love it. So let's dive first into giving feedback then. Why is giving feedback so difficult? Most of the time, people are trying to do the right thing. It is rare when you really have like a jerk or someone who's just, you know, sloughing off or whatever. Like most of the time, people are trying. And so it's hard to tell them that the work that they're doing isn't living up to what you're, what you expected. And so I think that. Most people are good people and most people don't want to have hard conversations and create conflict. And so we just shy away from that, um, especially you know in the workplace because what if someone gets emotional or as people continue to be remote, it's hard to do over Zoom. So I think just as humans, like we don't want to have those conversations. Um, yeah. And I think on the flip side, we miss the importance and the impact of positive reinforcement and positive feedback. Well, of course they know they're doing a good job. I haven't told them otherwise, you know, the whole like no news is good news sort of thing. Um, So I think that is some of the reasons why we shy away. And I do think there is still this more traditional sense of, am I doing it right? Am I going to get in trouble? Is this going to lead to something risky? What if this person quits? What if this person gets mad at me? Um, What if this person says something? Like all of those things are still kind of lingering in us sometimes. So I think, you know, avoid the conflict and then I don't have to worry about any of that. (laughs) There you go. Well, and and I also think back to, you know, growing up, if you don't have anything nice to say, (laughs) don't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's also true, like so much, like kind of going back to like everyone's trying or most people try. I think people get like, if someone is really struggling, yes, I'm going to say something. Like if they're getting one plus one and they're getting three, I have to say something. Yeah. But if they are doing, you know, complex multiplication problems and they're getting really close or, you know, they're doing, oh, okay. I wish they were better, but they're, they're fine. Like, I think it's those gray areas that people have more trouble with. Oh yeah. So along those lines, what are some common mistakes people make when they're trying to give feedback? Yeah, I think one is they don't put themselves in the other person's shoes or mm. think about like the style or anything that is more reflective of the other person. So if I'm a manager who is very data driven and very direct to the point, I'm going to assume that's how the other person wants to hear the feedback. So I'm going to come in uh, really hot and, you know, this thing <laughs> didn't work. This is why here's some data do better. Good. Okay, great. And like they move on (laughs) Um, versus what if I'm someone who like, 
relationships and the impact I'm having on people is actually my motivation. And so all of that will just be a blur and I'll be like, wait, so how bad is all this? Like, are people mad at me? You know, so they'll go to that more relationship side. So if you know that about me, you can flex your style as a manager to say, you know, this, you know, this thing didn't go exactly as I had hoped. Let's kind of walk through it. You know, I know you want to help your team and I think this actually confused them more than helped them. So let's kind of talk through that. So I think that the style piece is sometimes the number one issue because people are just different. And if you don't know that about your team member, you're going to be set up for failure from day one or from minute one if you haven't uh, adjusted for that. And I think the the second piece is really trying to rush through it and not ask questions. Mm -hmm. So even if you have all the data and all the examples from like four different people and you know this is how it went down and there's no question about it, you should still ask, you know, this is this is what I observed. This is what I've heard from others. Would love to get your perspective. How do you think it went? What do you think we could have done differently? Is there something I could have done differently to help you prepare for it? So just more of that active listening, empathy, leading with questions. Um, Because if you're leading that way, it's harder for someone to get defensive because you're bringing them into the conversation from the beginning. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. So this leads us then into how do you prepare yourself for a feedback conversation? So what are some actionable tips our listeners can take away today? Yeah. So other than sort of the, the data and making sure you've got all your ducks lined up, then think through, is this the first time you've delivered this feedback? Or is this sort of a constant theme? Is this not just if you've delivered it before, but is this actually a new behavior? So especially over 2020 and and now even into 2021, people still have a lot of stuff going on that's not uh, connected to their work. And so if something new has changed or a new behavior has popped up, you know, it's worth asking, is everything okay? You seem a little stressed lately. You know, you can ask those questions up front because maybe something else is driving the change. And it doesn't change the fact that you need to give them the feedback. But again, treating them as a human first, asking some of those questions up front will then help you know sort of where you need to take the conversation because there may be outside factors that would not normally be at play or have changed for this person. And then I think the third piece in preparation is coming in with some of your own ideas about what's going to happen next. While it should definitely be a dialogue and you need the employees buy-in and partnership and coming up with an action plan, as the manager, you should have some direction of what you think might work, you know, more one-on-ones, some training. Do you want me to look at it before you deliver it next time? Like any of the things that you can start to think of to help start that direction of action planning and change so that you're not just sort of walking in blind without having any ideas of what could uh, happen next. Yeah. So, and now earlier you had mentioned about knowing about the person's style. I heard some uh, Carl Jung work in there, (laughs) thinkers, feelers, and uh, maybe extroverts, introverts. (laughs) What are some ways you can maybe, and I know that's like a whole, probably another podcast interview, but what are some ways that you can just kind of, some tips for maybe matching their style, whatever that may be. It's so interesting because I think sometimes people, if your company doesn't do Myers-Briggs or DISC or Strength Finders or any of those like multiple options out there, just having a conversation with the person as their manager is a good start. So, you know, one thing that's tough with feedback is that if this is, if you've been managing this team for a while or you've been working with someone for a while and these aren't the practices you had in place before, 
you almost have to take a step back and reset that relationship. You know, feedback is important. I see it as a way to help you in your career. And it's out of respect that I want to make sure you know how you're doing. I'm going to be building it in into our one-on-ones. How do you like to receive feedback? What is motivating you in your career? What's important to you? Um, asking those questions, even if it's a year into the relationship, if you haven't done it before, let's start doing it today. Yeah. So even if you don't know their Myers-Briggs or any of those like fancy things, you know what's important to them. You know how they take in information. You know how they like to communicate just because you've had those conversations with them as part of your one-on-ones. Again, even if that's starting today and it's new information. Yeah. I love it. Just ask, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best way for you to receive feedback. It's amazing how people don't do that. Yes. Yeah. I, it's almost like they don't want to open that can of worms, but the yeah. only way to like open it successfully is to just ask. <laughs> it's yeah, not hard. Just ask. <laughs> so along those lines, how do you handle difficult reactions during a feedback conversation? Yeah. I think that's the other thing that you should always be prepared for as much as you want to do everything right. Again, it it sounds repetitive, but there's a human in front of you uh, on a Zoom, in a room, whatever. And you're talking about their livelihood. Again, we're going to talk about constructive. um, Although there is the emotional side of positive feedback. I even was that person once I was totally taken aback and got some positive feedback. And I had been so exhausted that week. And I actually burst into tears out of happiness because I was so stressed that it meant so much that what Aww. I had done had made a difference. So you never know. Like positive yeah. feedback can generate tears too. But um, you know, be think about all the different things they could say back, you know, oh, but did you ask Sally? Or oh, but you know, Jennifer told me, or well, that's not true because Steve does it the same way. Like be ready for sort of all the defensive uh, posturing that may happen because even if it's not true or even if they don't really believe it, they are all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, am I about to get fired? Like how bad is this? That's what goes through their head first just because we are human beings who are trying to protect ourselves. That's just what our brain is going to do. And again, going back to, we don't know sort of what this last year has been like for folks. We may also have additional stresses. We don't know what's happening like off camera or what they just left at home if if you're meeting them in the office. So again, you could do everything right and someone could get defensive, someone could get angry, someone could get emotional that you weren't expecting. So be prepared for that and be okay with stopping the conversation. It does not end it for good. But if someone on the other side has completely shut down or is not listening or has gotten so emotional, they can't be a participant in the conversation. It's okay to say, hey, this is obviously really hard for you. And I understand that, but I want to be supportive and I want to get us to a point where we're sort of walking away with some clear next steps. I don't think that's going to happen now. It seems like it's not. So why don't we stop for now and let's pick this back up in the morning? Is that okay with you? Or does that make sense for you? And Someone may say, no, I just need five minutes. Just give me five minutes. They shut off their video and like they're back and they're okay. Other people may say, yeah, let's let's talk tomorrow. <laughs> don't let it go away. Like talk tomorrow, but don't force it. If it's, if it's not going to be a productive conversation, pause and come back to it. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Now, one other thing before we move into receiving feedback, what about upward feedback? Yes. So I think this goes back to creating a culture where you have the relationship and you've set the tone that I want feedback just as much as I'm going to share feedback with you. Because if it's out of respect and uh, support and making you great, I want to be, you know, getting that feedback as well. So, but you have to ask for it and you have to open up the space for that. So even when you're giving feedback, 
part of giving feedback is asking for upward feedback. What can I be doing differently as your manager? What do you need from me in order to be successful? Asking questions around were there different things that I could have done to help you better prepare? Um, so asking those sort of questions and creating the space for that feedback. And then you actually have to be ready for that feedback. So you have yeah. to be ready to receive it as well. But I think that's one place to do it. And then outside of that, creating space in other places as well. So I even have some managers that will do it as part of their one-on-one. How's your week going? What are some wins? What are some roadblocks? What do you need from me? What can I be doing differently? So it's not tied to their feedback at all. It truly is feedback for the manager. Um, so it just becomes part of their relationship. Any special tips for giving feedback to one's manager? I think it is thinking through what is the goal of sharing the feedback. And so if it is because you think you need something different from them or like there's the style isn't being adjusted for how you work best, if it is something that will help a process that will help, you know, the business, I think whatever the reason is using the, their language. So think about what's important to them. You know, they may be trying to hit some metric or they may be trying to, you know, hit some business goal or get a project live or what is the thing that's important to them and how can you tie it to that so that it's feedback that is productive for your manager, not um, anything that could be construed, even though I'm sure that you don't mean it this way, but could be construed <laughs> as like, you know, negative or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. So let's switch gears here and focus on receiving feedback. Mm -hmm. What are some common mistakes that we make when receiving feedback? I think it's actually the flip side of not asking questions. And so asking questions back. So you worked on this report. It didn't go as planned. The, the numbers were unclear. Oh, that's really helpful. Was there a specific dashboard you were looking for or how have you done this report in the past that that maybe was more successful? It'd be really helpful if we walked through it together next time or you know, asking asking questions in return is just as important as the manager asking for questions for insight. Yeah. Oh, I like that too because it can also give you an opportunity to get control of your emotions. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the so, it's the politician trick. That's a great question. And <laughs> they're using that space to come up with an answer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so speaking of, what are some ways that we can control our additional ways we can control our emotions in that moment of uh, essentially feeling criticized? Yeah. And it's so natural. I think that hopefully your manager is delivering it in a way that is trying to be helpful. And so putting that in the forefront, like we're all trying to get to the same place. We're all trying to hit the same goals. That's the point of this. So let, let me quickly adjust my brain and focus on that piece. And even just little things like take a breath, close your eyes, take a moment, even 10 seconds can make a difference. Um, and then I think sometimes too, being honest back and saying, oh, wow, this was really surprising. I, I had no idea I actually need to think about this a little bit more and come back with some better thoughts another time. Like some people kind of going back to Myers-Briggs or whatever, you know, some people need to think a lot more before they share their thoughts. Maybe they want to even write it down because they're able to digest it more. Some people are able to go on the spot and they sort of improv it and that's just the way they're, they communicate. But if they, if you need the space to digest and you need the space to think, ask for it because most likely your manager will say, oh, sure, that, that's fine. They'll, they'll probably schedule time to do it because again, you can't let it 
uh, just go away. But if you need that time to digest, to have a better conversation, or is it okay if I reach out to you in a few hours with some follow-up questions, or can I send you an email? Take that time to digest if that's important to you. Nice. So assume positive intent. Yes. Ask for some time if you need it. Ask questions back. Is there Are there any other tips that you want to share on receiving feedback? I think those are the biggest things. I think it's almost like flipping the tables. Everything that we suggest for managers, it actually is applicable to the person receiving the feedback as well. Yeah. Well, and I would love uh, for people to give feedback to colleagues and you know everyone else in their life instead of just thinking that they can only give feedback if they're managers. Yes. Yeah. And that's actually a great point. I mean, I think peer-to-peer feedback can be just as hard as the upward feedback because you maybe don't have that relationship or, you know, how often do you work together? So I think sometimes that's even harder. Yeah. Well, which leads us to the question, how can employees help create a culture of feedback in their organizations? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is leading with good intent and good assumptions. So anytime someone doesn't quote unquote do what you thought they were going to or do it the way you (laughs) wanted them to do it, I'm sure they were trying their best. And so, you know, asking questions, um, that's such a theme and it's going to come up so many times, but setting the expectations up front, uh, is another way. So you're working on a project together. Let's just make sure we understand, you know, this is the timeline. I'm doing this. You're doing this. You're going to reach out to this person. I'm going to get information here, like kind of over communicate some of those things. So everybody's on the same page ahead of time. And then when something doesn't happen the, the way you think you've mapped it out, assume that they meant to do the right thing and either they just approached it differently or maybe they got busy. Um, and something didn't happen. So leading with questions of, hey, it was my understanding that we were going to get this done by Tuesday. I didn't see you know, that come through from you. So what happened? Or did something change? And, and sort of open up the dialogue that way. I think the other thing to create a feedback culture is really focusing on the behaviors and the objectives and the data versus the person. So it yeah. is very easy to lean with uh, emotions or assumptions or even when someone's getting emotional when you're having a conversation with them you know it feels like this is hard for you to talk about it feels like maybe i just touched a nerve talk to me about like what you're feeling right now or i i thought we were going to work on it x y and z um it, it the way i read it it looks like you did a b and c instead can you tell me like how you approached it Um, So using I statements um, makes it less accusatory, again, especially Mm -hmm. if you're sort of creating that culture and talking to peers. Karen, I love how you're sharing your expertise with us. What would you say are some criteria to consider for organizations who are in the process of deciding whether or not they want to go with a 360 degree feedback system or not? It's a great question. And I know the question of anonymity is something that comes up a lot um, when doing 360 feedback. I would prefer to get the feedback, even if people prefer to not list their name, if it means I'm actually getting the feedback. So I actually went through this with my organization, Order Groove, and we decided to do 360 feedback. um, And the name is optional. So we make sure there's always two people from every category. So two peers, I mean, obviously you're not your manager, but you know, two peers, two direct reports, two cross-functional people, whatever categories you have. So yes, if they list examples, you probably can figure out who it is if you really wanted to try. But 
there's some sense of security and sharing the feedback. But again, I think it goes back to that feedback culture. You can't implement a 360 or you can't ask for upward feedback uh, if you're a manager, if their trust isn't there, if it's not role modeled by the leaders, if it's not a safe space for learning and a focus on development and failure, quote unquote, is okay. So you have to build that into your organization first. And then you can think about upward feedback, peer feedback, 360 feedback. And if it's the first time you're doing it and you want to make it anonymous to start, that's fine. Hopefully you get to the place where even though a name is optional, they're putting their names in. And and that says a lot about your culture if you've gotten to that point. Mm, Nice. Ease them into it. Yes. (laughs) Karen, you have given us a ton of information to consider about feedback. This has been an incredible dive into all of the different aspects. I mean, I don't think I'd ever really considered it (laughs) from really both sides with this kind of depth. So I'm really grateful to you for walking us through this, but I'm also really grateful that we're not quite done asking you questions yet. (laughs) At the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests five rapid fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. So are you ready for a couple of rapid fire questions? I am ready. That's good because we're ready to go. All right. Your first question is, give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. So I really like Leadership and Self-Deception. It is all about putting yourself in the shoes of others uh, in every situation. It's a business novel, so I know it can be a little cheesy at times, but I read it over 10 years ago and I still bring the lessons with me and I reference it probably once a month when I'm either training people or coaching people. I love a good book that stays with you. Yes. That's great. All right. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. So recently is a relative term. I actually was introduced <laughs> I was introduced to it a few years ago, totally forgot about it and brought it back into my life um, recently. And it's Trello. And I now use it to organize everything in my life. I even use it as a CRM for my coaching clients. Um, it, it has alerts, it syncs to things. I'm a very like bucket person and list person. So it is perfect for me. I'm a recent Trello convert myself. <laughs> so I completely relate to what you have nice. said. Absolutely. What is the best piece of talent development related advice you've ever been given? Yes. So seven, eight years ago, those started adding up. Um, I was building out a brand new manager training program for the company I was working for at the time, Yodel. I was so excited to be the one to be tapped to do this. It never existed. The role never existed. I was just beyond thrilled. I did the needs assessment. I did the surveys. I did this. I did that. And then I literally hold my, like, put myself in an office for a couple of months built it all out. It was the first time we were going to do e-learning. It was classroom training. I mean, it was everything. I built all of it. I got it all together. I I brought it to my HR business partners. I was like, look at this. Isn't this going to be awesome? And they said, we have no time or bandwidth to help you roll this out. I don't know who's going to do the follow-ups. I mean, it's great that you're doing it and it's an awesome first step, but I don't know what to do with this. And it was one of the biggest lessons I've ever learned is that we have to treat the things that we do as agile, just like product and tech does. So if you want to build out a brand new manager training program, and it's never been done at your organization before, pick a department, pick one class, 
pick one group of people, pick one HR business partner to work with, do some pilots, do some testing, try some things out, see if it's working, see if it's making a difference, get some feedback, and then make adjustments or whatever you need to do. And then you can roll out a whole six-month program if you want to. (laughs) Um, But build the buy-in, get the buy-in, build in the feedback, test things out first because you are just wasting so much time and energy if you don't even know if the thing's going to work yet. Oh, yeah. I think that is an incredibly relatable experience. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, that's great. All right. What is one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 2021 or 2022? I know we're looking a little bit ahead these days for the first time in a while. I know. It's... (laughs) So amazing. I think the thing that I'm most excited about is taking all the learnings from the last 15 months and actually turning them into a strategy and part of our culture. So everything was so reactionary. I was like, oh, shoot, we just have to figure out this thing at this moment because it's the the turmoil of the moment. But we actually learned a lot about our teams and our culture and our managers. So how can we now turn that into something that is really strategic and beneficial? And I think you know, for us at Order Groove, the hybrid mar- model of working at home uh, and being in the office is a great example of that. We've moved to a total flexible work work environment. So if you're in New York and you want to go in the office, great. If you're in New York and you don't, that's fine too. You don't even have to live in New York anymore, which is which is different for us. Like that was not the case uh, pre-pandemic. And what does that mean for how we train managers and how do we give feedback? And for folks that you know have dispersed teams, how are they going to build community and make sure that everybody feels equitable on a call if some people are in the room together and some people are on Zoom. And so I think how that's going to impact our culture, I think it's going to be all good things, but I think it's all new things for us to continue to think about, but hopefully in a more positive and strategic way, not putting out every fire in front of us way. Oh, absolutely. Bringing some of that grace that we've been extending to people throughout the pandemic and keeping that as part of the workplace. I think you're totally right. All right. Your last rapid fire question is, what is the one thing within our talent development industry that you're deeply grateful for right now? Ooh, I think that is our own flexibility to move to online programs. So I, you know, jokingly talked about the e-learning system and all that that I was trying to roll out all those years ago. I have been so impressed at how companies and conferences and teaching models and everything that we have done in our field has figured out how to do online things or move to podcast formats or move to webinars. Development was so important for us, uh, for ourselves. Forget about the work that we do for our teams, for ourselves um, over the last year and the fact, the way that everybody made those adjustments. And we got to attend things that we never would have before because everything was online. And that's a lot of work to produce an online program is very different, especially if you're doing it all of a sudden. Um, So to see our industry make that shift and provide so much valuable content and training for us over the last year, um, I think has really meant a lot. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise with our listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And a thanks to my co-host as well. Yeah, Karen, thank thank you so much for some incredible insights. I think you've all inspired us to think a little bit differently about feedback and make some better decisions as far as receiving it and giving it. Thank you. This was great. Thank you, Karen. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. 
and we would be remiss if we didn't thank our community for listening. But before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Do you ever wonder how other talent development professionals are navigating our world? Or better yet, maybe you have a story to share. Then check out our Day in the Life of a TD Professional. If you're interested in being featured on our website, submit your story at dcatd.org. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.